I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, and this is Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. All of us, if we've lived a little, have had to contend with the lure of temptation. From the mundane, just one more piece of chocolate cake, to the come on of a cold beer when you've got a drinking problem, to the more serious attractions to violence and crime, we all know the experience of that voice in our ear. Our modern scientific perspective would have us seek evidence-based interventions as solutions, leading us to explain away vice and bad habits as weakness, upbringing, chemical imbalance, even genetic disposition. We seldom in our modern world even think of putting temptation down to influence from nefarious spirits. Reason over superstition would read the promotional literature for that modern point of view. But are we missing something in excluding the theological view? After all, Jesus warned us time and again of our unhealthy subservience to demons, and perhaps we should listen more carefully to that advice. Man's Greatest Enemy, today on Thinking with Somebody Else's Head. This is the fourth in our series based on Herberto Kepi's new book, Psychotherapy and Exorcism, a book that conducts a scientific study of the link between possession and psychology. You can hear all these programs streaming on our Stop Radio network at stopradio.org. 24-hour stream there. We also stream through iTunes radio stations, and all of our programs are downloadable as individual podcasts. Just search Thinking with Somebody Else's Head in any podcatcher that you use. You'll also find our programs featured on the Psychotherapy and Exorcism webpage we've set up as a resource guide for this book. That's at psychotherapyandexorcism.org. I mentioned that Kepi is conducting a scientific study of the link between exorcism and psychology for a specific reason. There has been a notable rise in people seeking exorcism in Catholic and evangelical churches in a number of locations around the world, including the U.S., France, and Italy. The traditional London newspaper, The Times, that most British of newspapers, recently warned travelers to France to be wary of diabolic activity. Not sure if they meant that tongue-in-cheek or not. This jump in requests for exorcism, highlighted by the Vatican-recognized International Association of Exorcists, established in 2014, has led to an indignation of the skeptical in the media and scientific communities. People are getting hurt, headlines The Guardian, and inside that paper, a common misconception that the violent abuse and crime linked to notions of witchcraft and demonic possession is being fed by the interest in the practice of exorcism. For believers in the reality of spiritual influence in the man-made world, exorcism is a practice that attempts to solve these crises. This is a common baby-and-the-bathwater scenario where all things spiritual are considered to be outdated, pushed into the archaic by the dominance of rational science. Kepi is trying to bridge the gap between these two perspectives. He's a sober scientist, steeped in clinical treatment of physical, psychological, and emotional problems with a vast clientele worldwide. But he's also deeply spiritual. 
his spirituality reinforced by the questions and anxieties of his clients who bring deeply spiritual reflections to their sessions of analysis. Kepi follows the great English psychoanalyst Wilfred Bion in abandoning formulas in psychotherapeutic treatment for a closer attention to what the client is saying. So where a modern medically trained professional would shrug off a patient's claims of hearing voices as a blanket mental or organic illness in need of medication, Kepi would consider this as a case of the mixture of the physiological and the spiritual. As the body and soul are inseparable elements, this brings a more comprehensive view to patient treatment. After all, Kepi worked for more than 30 years at the medical school of Latin America's biggest hospital, where he noted the similarity between the physiological and the psychological etiology of disease states. For him, the usual evidence exorcists use to diagnose cases of possession, things like speaking in tongues, abnormal strength, even levitation and materializing objects, can often be real. And, he states, we ignore that reality at great peril, for not believing in spiritual forces does not make us immune to their influence. In fact, outrightly dismissing the existence of the forces of evil puts us much more under their influence. As I said at the beginning of the program, we've been warned many times by mystics and saints and even the Holy Mother and Jesus himself of the presence of evil in and around us, there is an enemy, and he's not only us. We'll consider humankind's greatest enemy when we return. You're listening to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head on the Stop Radio Network. You're listening to the most relevant conversations on the planet about how to stop destroying ourselves and the world. This is the Stop Radio Network. A key inversion in science. Always we are trying to extract energy from a material element. And its negative consequences. We provoke serious imbalances in nature. Corrected now with the Kepi Motors disinversion of physics. And we developed a way to have mechanical power with very little electricity. This will make a big change, not only in energetic efficiency, but also it will bring better energy in homes because it's magnetic energy. The Kepi Motor, new technology for a new world. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, host of Thinking with Somebody Else's Head here on the Stop Radio Network. You know, I receive emails all the time from people who resonate with our shows and the science behind them called the Science of Analytical Trilogy. People like Trilogy's perspective on economics and health and energy, how Trilogy's psychological perspective goes to the root causes of human problems. But sometimes people ask me, but what can I do about all this? How can I help to contribute to the greater consciousness on the planet? I tell them the same thing. Our trilogical books and TV shows are a rich source of knowledge that you need if you want to be an effective change agent today. Analytical Trilogy books are available on our site at stop.org.br. There's dozens of our Stop TV programs there, too. So you can read, watch, pass the info on to your networks, and let's see if together we can restore human society to its correct state. Stop.org.br. That's your site for the science of the 21st century. Thinking with somebody else's head, we are on the Stop Radio Network and proud to be. Uh, we've had a lot of interest in our first a couple of programs. 
Um, and we're uh, based on Dr. Kepi's new book, Psychotherapy and Exorcism. We haven't even gotten around to translating his most recent book, which is Sociotherapy and Exorcism. We'll get to that soon. But for now, there is a lot of material in this book for us to consider. And um, I've been talking, of course, with Dr. Claudia Bernhard Pacheco, who is Dr. Kepi's right hand. And for 40 years, maybe more, I don't like to date us too much, Claudia. <laughs> so everybody get, will know I, how old I am. Yeah, I get depressed. <laughs> I, get, I don't but know you about know, you. in the field of psychoanalysis, it's a good thing to not to be young. We have more, like, more experience. We have more wisdom oh, after you. so many years thank working you. and living. Thank you. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> Somebody said to me on my birthday recently, said, well, Richard, one year wiser. I yeah. said, that's an excellent way to put it. Yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> uh, we have to have our age for something, right? For exactly. Something. Uh, so we were talking uh, before the program about this <laughs> I was question. I here, <laughs> if we use correctly yeah. every year, we get wiser. If not, we get dumber yeah. and more stupid. Yeah. And and we get worse. I noticed that. You can see sometimes you, when you're a kid, your grandparents are like really wise and have a lot of sage advice. And other times they're so afraid they can't leave the house. So here we are talking about uh, a lot of our problems, you know, and uh, now you say something good about being a little bit older. <laughs> it's like a good news for us. We're we're accustomed in analytical trilogy to seeing the difficulties that we have, that the human being has to see problems. And we were talking before, so isn't this like negative? I remember my first psychoanalysis session with you by telephone. I was in New York. I still remember that many years ago now. And I was talking about the difficulties of moving from Toronto to New York, and it was not easy, and I was doing well, but it was a challenge. And you said, right at the end, very lightly, you said, do you think it's possible maybe that you initiated this move to make your life more difficult? And I remember thinking and saying, I think I said, well, I can't. I can't think like that. If I think like that, I won't get out of bed in the morning. <laughs> what kind of advice is that? How can I think negatively? I gotta be, I've gotta be armado, armed, you know, to go out into this jungle of a world in New York and survive. How can I start thinking negatively? So we thought we would start with that aspect. How is seeing our problems so often a good thing for us? By the way, this morning. I was attending a client, and she said, Oh, now I have been here for a time, and I got so much better in many ways. I'm better in the relationship with my mother, with my son. Now I am being much more useful. I help a group of older women. Uh, every week I go there. They are very much benefited by the readings, the reading groups I do with them. And lately I have been spending more money than I should. So 
the course I was attending on Saturdays, Saturday mornings with you. It's fantastic. I love I it. Have, it's the best thing I ever did in my life. Yeah, but I have to, I have to, stop, because, to stop for two or three months yeah. because then I put my bills in order. Yeah. And when people start uh, like explaining things like... Um, I, I should spend more m less money yeah. in in analysis or in these activities. It's already a sign that the person is thinking that analysis is um, causing some sort of impoverishment. Yeah. Like I'm getting poorer yeah. here. I'm losing something. I'm losing. So... Uh, it's not the money I'm spending. It's not bringing enough benefits. So this is not real, something real rational. It's a kind of irrational. But later on, I when I asked her what did she associate with the course, and she said light, energy, because I get energized every time I go there. I get very much energized. And there are many, many subjects that are v very interesting. So, but I have this problem in spending more than I should, and I feel uncomfortable, blah, blah, blah. So, and I, I asked her, what do you associate spending more money than you should? And she said, well, is this a sort of imbalance? I, I'm not dealing correctly with reality. And I told her, okay, so then you are not wanting to stop for a while the course and put your, your accounting in order. You are more interested in escaping from this consciousness that you are having now because you have been always the same. And now you are having better a consciousness of how you... Like you are unbalanced. Oh, you sabotage yourself. And and you you are sabotaging yourself, and you are not balancing in, in your in spending money and in other areas. So it's a it's a, a escape from consciousness you are doing. And she said then then she she was sincere, and she said, D "Don't I get too depressed to see so many problems in myself as I have been seeing?" Lately, I thought, okay, so I saw enough. Now I should stop a little bit of seeing so many wrong things in myself and so much like pathological attitudes. And then, But then she said, okay, but this is logical because if I don't see better how I deal like the wrong way, what I do destructively, I do with my finances, I can get into trouble. And I really got into trouble before analysis, financially speaking. So, and then the the consequence of the analysis was that she thinks mistakenly and invertedly that if she sees pathology in herself, she will get depressed. She will get, she will get depressed and, she will and get, harmed. Yeah, she will get worse, she will get depressed. and Won't be will, able to get out of bed in the morning. Yes, as you mentioned. As I mentioned, yeah. So, here we come. Mm -hmm. Nobody wants to see mistakes in oneself. Nobody, no. nobody. This is something everybody rejects. To be criticized? Never. 
if we want to, if we accept to be criticized, then it should be with such an affection and, you know, just an excuse. But we don't, we don't like to see when we, when we are mistaken, when we, and sometimes not only mistaken, but ill-intentioned. Because ill intentions, they turn against us. They end up by turning against ourselves. Yes. So, now we go to something, Richard, another step here in our conversation. This is not only a matter of every, like, day-to-day simple things of life. This is a philosophical and a theological matter and scientific uh, when um, people question the method that Kepi uses, consciousness of errors, consciousness of problems, consciousness of pathology, consciousness of evil, consciousness of what is negative, so consciousness of disease, consciousness of what is wrong. So, come on, can I bear so much consciousness of what is what is wrong, what is problematic? And we call Kepi's method as Christian and Kepian dialectics. Mm-hmm. What is the Christian dialectics? The ser- ser- Sermon of the Mountain. Yeah, Sermon of the Mount. Sermon of the Mount. Yeah. And there is the Christian dialectics. Mm-hmm. The importance of being humble the importance of admitting one's sins and mistakes and problems. And he puts this all the time in his gospel, in his teachings. It's such an enormous importance of being humble. Yes. Meek, he calls it meek sometimes too, right? Like yes. Turning the other cheek and um, um, accepting the criticism of others. Um Listening to the counsel of others, he talks all the time about these. Because this humbleness, Richard, guarantees that we stay like with the feet on the ground. And the arrogance and the megalomania, this um, excessive perfectionistic attitude, it's very sick. It's very arrogant. It's very like. Proud. Yeah. It's being proud. And arrogance and pride are things that make us leave the ground and go like balloons. Yeah. And the fall, it's very painful when yeah. we need to fall down to, yeah. to back to earth. Yes, yeah. so and when you use pride, you use pride in the original theological sense, which yes. is exaggerated yes. arrogance. It's, it's yes. more than just being we, proud we of yourself. Speak, we speak in Portuguese soberba. soberba. It's the, I think it's the first capital sin, yes. original, the yes. first uh, deadly sin. Yes, in, because yeah. this blind, make us blind, yeah. blind, to- in totally darkness, totally darkness. True. We get so crazy. Uh, we we are like godlike. Yeah. So we get, it's very harmful. And Kepi uses the same dialectics. And there is another very important subject here. And now we go into psychotherapy and exorcism. Who are those who can't bear seeing anything wrong in themselves? 
eternally. Yeah, these are the demons. Because they see themselves as gods already. Yeah. So, if we admit seeing a problem, a pathology in us, the demons that are in us, <laughs> or around us, or, us, or linked yeah. to us, in yeah. telepathy with us, yeah. they really can't bear yeah. seeing themselves in a in a in a bad situation. They can't feel feelings of guilt. They can't be humble because they have chosen um, theomania yeah. in themselves for themselves in like eternally. Yeah. So they can't bear. Uh, that's why they stay in darkness. That's why they stay hidden. That's why they are. They always speak as God to us, as the wise ones, as the smart ones, as the intelligent ones. They show this in the movies. Vampires can't see themselves in the mirror. Yeah, right? Exactly. It's, it's, they can't. They can't bear. Can't bear. They see. can't bear because the consciousness of any consciousness. And consciousness of our pathologies has an energy, like a divine energy in it, a powerful divine energy. Consciousness of our pathologies has a divine energy. Yes, consciousness of a sin in us, our yes. sins, has a divine, powerful energy, godly energy. It's like resurrect, like resurrection. It's like if you really admit a sin, if you really admit and humble yourself and admit a problem, a mistake or something, then you get into resonance. You, you stay in tune with the truth. Yeah. Is this the principle of, of confession in the church? Yes. It's the principle of the true, honest confession. Right. Then you, 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 like, you get in tune with God. You go down in your arrogance. You, you humble yourself, and then you are able to open yourself to God's grace. And God's grace is energy. And God's grace is lifting. You don't need to to say God's grace to clients. But when they are humble and honest, they automatically receive God's energy and so grace. This is the power of repentance, isn't it? Yes, it is. Wasn't, isn't there a story in the Bible, uh, uh, Jesus' crucifixion? Wasn't there a, a criminal there on the cross? Who, As they say, the good uh, thief. Yeah, who <laughs> repented he yeah. said something to the effect that when the other, there were two criminals there with him. When, when one criminal said uh, something against Jesus and this other one said, no, 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 you can't compare this guy to us. Mm -hmm. We're criminals and he is not. Yeah, so here. Something like this, right? This guy and then this good, the good thief. Uh, they, call, they, call them, they call him Saint Saint. And Saint Dimas, as we speak in Portuguese. Saint Dimas. Uh, I don't even Saint know what Dimas. that is in English, but okay. Uh, so this guy, in order to say this and in order to be in heaven with Jesus at that, at that same day, as Jesus said, promised, you will be in heaven with me today. Because of his repentance. Because of his attitude. So what did he do? First, he admitted he was a criminal. Yeah. He admitted. Yeah. And then he saw the goodness in Jesus, in honesty, and he admitted Jesus' goodness and honesty. And that he was nowhere close to that. And he was humble enough yeah. 
not to envy Jesus and not to project onto Jesus his criminality as the others did. So he was a human being that did not project onto Jesus his own sins as humanity does. Because humanity project onto Jesus um, their own heavy sins. And that's why they say Jesus carried the whole a bunch of sins of the whole humanity yeah, the in whole his weight of human sins yes yes because his cross right because humanity projected onto jesus the evil they had in themselves yeah. and the goodness jesus had they saw in themselves it's projective in Invert, like inverted projection inverted projection dr kebby's calling it yeah let's come back and talk about that it's fascinating and I have a few comments but we'll come back in just a moment I'm thinking with somebody else's head on the Stop Radio Network Home to Thinking with Somebody Else's Head and Healing Through Consciousness This is the Stop Radio Network Tuesday in New York and Gwen's headache is now five days old <laughs> Wednesday in London and Ronald's left the hospital for the streets again it's Thursday in Mogadishu, and angry students are protesting against corruption. Whether the illness is physical, psychological, or social, Norberto Kepi's The Origin of Illness is a book that gets to the bottom of it and offers a solution. Norberto Kepi's landmark book, The Origin of Illness, available now on Amazon. You're listening to the most relevant conversations on the planet about how to stop destroying ourselves and the world. This is the Stop Radio Network. Thinking with somebody else's head on the Stop Radio Network, I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones with Claudia Bernhard-Pasheko, and we've entered, I just realized as you were speaking, we've entered a kind of a beautiful dimension. I was thinking of many things as you were speaking about the Christian dialectics and Jesus' example and this idea of inverted projection. I remember the, the case, it's, a, it's, it's one of the few stories I remember from my my misspent years as a youth, uh, I went to Sunday school for a few years as a kid. And one of the stories I remember, one of the few stories I remember, is the story of the the woman who had committed adultery and the men who were wanting to stone her as following the law, Jesus' law passed down through Moses. This is their idea. And Jesus' great response to that was, let you who have no sin throw the first stone. And that's a fabulous phrase because it's not judging anyone. It's not telling anyone what to do. It's putting the responsibility into the person. If you are so clean, then you can judge the other person. If not, you know. But what's interesting is what happened after. Because the moment he said, you can imagine all the guys there, like totally pumped up and angry, frustrated, because they're seeing all of the pathology of the world in this poor woman, uh, who did sin, as Jesus said. And but then everybody having, has sinned. Yeah, as everyone has it. And then having to stand there and go, now what? Now what do I do? Yeah. You know, now what do I do with all this consciousness? Yeah. And that can cause two things, as Gandhi said. It can, if, if a man strikes you and you strike back, he has an excuse to hit harder. But if you don't respond with violence, now the person has a decision. It's exactly what Jesus did. This is the dialectic thing you're mentioning. Now we have a choice. 
we can rise up in our resonance and respond, yes, that's true, I'm a sinner too, who am I to judge? Or we can get angry at the person who gave us this consciousness. And when you get angry back, it's not that you are... Reciprocating. Reciprocating, but you are in the same level. You are like entering entering in resonance, yeah. like in, in the same level of vibration. Mm-hmm. So you lower down. Lower the vibration, yes. And then demons get you. Yeah. They take you. Yeah. And they take us through our emotions and our thoughts, right? Yeah. So, And then our consequently our actions. But it's exactly as you said. We lower our vibration to the level of vengeance, uh, these lower levels, instead of rising up to the level of forgiveness and tolerance and humility. That's why humility. Jesus said, don't oppose, e- like, don't oppose to evil, don't oppose evil. It's not o- in the sense of not opposing evil. It's not that you're go- not going to say no to evil, for, for sure you have to. You have to recognize it. Yes, yes, and say no to evil, not get involved in evil things. But it's do not enter in resonance. Do not respond because if you respond in the same level with the same emotion, then you get caught. You get caught by the same demons that the person is is presenting. The same evil, the same demons. They they get you. They get you if you respond in the same level. Yeah, we don't think of it as being responding with demons, but in yeah. Dr. Kepi's work now, we're seeing that this is a resonance with a demon level of energy. If um, we do not consider spirit pathology, we are not really doing true yeah. analysis and true th- uh, yeah. psychotherapy. Yeah. We need always to uh, to enter into this subject. Even if the person is an atheist, we have to. We have to mention, we have to focus on this because they can understand and they can know that they are being like obsessed they are being uh, persecuted, yeah. they are being deceived by de- evil spirits. Yeah, this is really important. Now, let's, let's come back to this point you were making at the beginning, Claudia, about consciousness, the importance of consciousness, of errors. Even Jesus said, I can't tell you everything now yeah. because you can't bear it. Yeah. So are you suggesting that now we have to start bearing it? We need to, otherwise... What will happen? We see things deteriorating so fast. My God. My God. You know what? I have read one of these days that a lot of white male Americans from 45 to 54 are dying much more than they should. That between 99 and 2003, uh, 500,000 Americans in this situation died. Young men. Should, young men that should not have died. So this is so strange. Dying so, of a like heart, heart, not, not like a it, war. It did but not a, mention, but they said many reasons, like war. drugs, like right. whatever, right. heart attacks. But they are dying. So if this is happening, it's not only a socioeconomic, psychological problem. There is something evil, very evil going on on humanity. And, and we see now... 
people dying like flies, poof, 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 and in, in young ages. Yeah. And we see nature responding heavily to this mistreatment the uh, nature is getting from, from humanity. So if we don't see this quickly, we are taking the risk of Lucifer succeeding in his plan. In which his is domination of... In, uh, in his plan of annihilating humanity. Yeah. The, the, the end of, of Lucifer in his plans is to liquidate with humanity. Because humanity is a creation of God. He yes. wants to, in a way, attack God yes. through... He can't attack, yes. he can't destroy God. Exactly so. that, exactly that. Wow. So every war, every problem, every catastrophe, every corruption... Every it's inverted structure. and every... inspired by Lucifer and his followers because they are the number one enemy of us. Yeah. And they're not kidding. They are really doing something to destroy humanity. They are committed, totally, totally, committed to, yeah. to annihilate. Now, going back to this thing that you mentioned, um, when when Jesus was here, demons came to him and said, "Why do you come to torment us? Why are you tormenting us? Because the truth causes torment to demons, as the truth causes torment." to sick in, sick individuals, to psychotic individuals, to psychopaths, to, to human beings in general. They don't want to see their, uh, the truth, whatever truth. So daydreaming is the law. Like it's a psychological law everywhere, daydreaming, because people don't accept the truth as if truth was a torment. Yeah, an enemy. Yeah, tormenting, and this is totally inversion, totally upside down, totally up, hundred percent upside down. Of course, thought. how could the truth torment us? Right, yeah. it only torments us because we want to be free to do the wrong thing, and the truth is tormenting to this desire to do the wrong yeah, thing, exactly. which is a demonic idea. Exactly, and seeing the consequences of what we do. Yeah. The terrible consequences it takes away the pleasure in doing evil right so many times it just this is why malachi martin said there was such an attack against the virtue and ethics of the church of religion mm -hmm. of christianity there was an attack against the values of the church not against the church per se they it's attack against the church but the real attack is against the virtue because the virtue makes it more difficult to do whatever crazy thing you want to do, to make money at whatever cost. So there's an attack against that. Yes. Boy, that's powerful. That's why the second point in your principles of exorcism through consciousness, right, it's only through becoming conscious of our inverted will and pathology or sins will the human being succeed in freeing himself or herself, and from the influence of demons. You know something very practical. When you commit a sin, you have a voice behind you. Sure. Blaming you, accusing you, blaming you, accusing you. This is not God's voice. This is devil's voice. Uh. Everybody thinks it's God's voice, but it's not. It's devil's voice. So the moment we admit, we, like we confess to ourselves, to God... We are wrong and feel the feelings of guilt. We get rid of this voice. 
it neutralizes this voice. This voice can't do anything. I, I've often thought of that in terms People of... People commit suicide because of this. Sure they do. I've often thought about this when, I, when I've watched movies about exorcism. You know, the, the, exercise, the person who's being exercised, the demons inside, speak to the priest, accusing him yes. of his sins. And I've yes. always thought, well, of course the priest is vulnerable. If he doesn't admit his sins, he, yeah. will, he will be totally devastated. Oh, my God. This, yeah, this, everybody don't, will don't, know. Don't, don't, don't say, don't that. say. Don't, yeah, yeah. I, I don't want to hear, I don't want to hear. But in fact, if the priest or the human being in our case, were honest and humble, the demon could say, Richard, you're a, a liar, you're unethical. Say, yeah, I know yeah, that. Yeah, I know totally that. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and what? Oh and who God. you are. And you. And you then. Yeah. Yeah. You would say, okay, I admit, but you, <laughs> what do you think about yourself? Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, you know, uh, it's such a relief when we admit our feelings of guilt. Yes, and this is not true. something only in in because of religion. No, no, no. It's not learned. It's it's in our structure. It's in our essence. We cannot live a, an existence against our essence, and our essence is all towards truth, beauty, and goodness. Even ourselves, I, um, a person like a a doctor knows that all instincts, all cells. Behavior, all the are all towards life, and goodness, and love, and 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 even animals show this. Animals so show here, this. So here, here's the hope at, uh, behind this, then, Claudia, that if we see our problem, we are returning to the original, st- closer to the original state. This is the yes, hope that we yes, have. That's yes, the value. Exactly. We like purify our, yes, yes, our yes. essence. Good word. We purify our essence and we get happier, healthier. We see so many diseases being healed through this process. So many diseases being healed I've through this liked, process. I've always liked movies about redemption. Mm-hmm. I think this is why, because somehow it's a, the redemption comes through the acknowledgement of the... There, there's, a, there's a scene from Les Miserables... Victor Hugo, where the the priest says to Jean Valjean that there's more joy in heaven over the face of a repentant sinner than the white-robed just men. Exactly. It's it's so... Very ironic. Seems counterintuitive, doesn't it, that acknowledging errors and problems can be alleviating for us. But we only have to remember how we felt at those times when we really felt remorse for something we did wrong. Remember the weight lifted off us? That's the process of repentance Claudia was talking about. That way transcends religion, and it's something the worst beings in the universe refuse to do. I guess we could say we act like them when we refuse to admit what we've done wrong. That's our program for this time. Thanks for tuning in. Thinking with somebody else's head is on the Stop Radio Network. Talk to you next time. I'm Richard Lloyd-Jones, and welcome to the Stop Radio Network. We broadcast from the International Society of Analytical Trilogy in Sao Paulo, Brazil. And our programs, Thinking with Somebody Else's Head and Healing Through Consciousness, offer the most relevant conversations around about the state of our world and what we can do to make it better. Thanks for tuning in. I remember the book Glorification that Dr. Kepi wrote. I was with him many of the nights or days where he got those inspirations from God. And it was a necessity for him to write what he received. So the book was totally written under inspiration. 
But it's not only a theological book, it's mostly a scientific book, very therapeutic book, very beautiful by the way. And he used to wake up during the night, two, three in the morning, and he said, let's go to the top of the mountain. And we were watching the sky in this dark night with no interference, so you could transcend the sky and see heaven through it. My God, you could adapt the writings that he did with the music of Beethoven. And this would be a trilogy of his writings and the music. It would be heaven. Norberto Kepi's Glorification, available in the bookstore at stop.org.br. You're listening to the most relevant conversations on the planet about how to stop destroying ourselves and the world. This is The Stop Radio Network.